Now you say, but how can a man with so many wives obtain high favor from the Lord? The same way someone can struggle with a 22-year pornography addiction, and when his season of kingdom movement comes, he falls in line, and the Lord is willing and ready to give him his mission and bless him. you guys are having a beautiful uh thursday uh hope you guys are having a beautiful week thus far um i've had a lot of interesting developments to say the least and uh you know my spiritual eyes have been very much opened uh i had a really really great bible study uh in the middle of the week last night um a lot of eye-opening stuff, you know, I definitely got fed, you know, my spiritual journey definitely got broadened and definitely got widened. And, you know, as a result, you know, God is so good. God is so good. And and a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have changed. And But I hope you guys are going through the same thing. Amen. But today I wanted to come on and talk about the controversial topic of polygamy and this topic is specifically dedicated for the ones, you know, who say, but a lot of, you know, kingdom men, you know, they had more than one wife. I mean, you know, Solomon has 700 wives. David had multiple wives. Gideon had multiple wives. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of men, especially in the Old Testament, in the Bible had a lot of, uh, a lot of wives. So, I want to talk about, is this necessarily uh, 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 something that God approves of, per se? But, um, you know, and this is something, this is a topic, children of y'all, that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in the church, they don't necessarily talk about because it's kind of like just one of those things that we just kind of take as fact, you know, man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, right? But I kind of want to dive into what the Bible say, uh, what the Bible says about the topic. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, the camp that says, oh, oh, polygamy is, is biblical because a lot of the kingdom men were biblical. You know, a lot of people, they like to base that off of the fact that, you know, so many men of God, like I said, especially in the Old Testament, had more than what wife, you know, but but I want to address the question, did that necessarily mean that it was biblical for them to do that? And so we're going to take a look at that. But before I begin, I want to open it up with a quick with a very quick prayer. Lord Jesus, in your mighty and holy name, I come to the throne of grace and I plead your blood over this microphone. I plead your blood over this vessel. And I plead your blood over each and every one of my listeners and viewers. Give us the daily bread. Give me the daily bread. Allow your spirit and allow your power to flow through me. Give me the words I need to speak 
Give us the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding we need to go in our journeys and be fruitful in our journeys, that others may receive the great commission, that your kingdom may expand in a great and mighty way. We call to you for you to show us a great and mighty things which we do not know. Show us the unknown tonight. Reveal a little bit more of your mystery tonight, Father God, through your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys, so going into it, I'm going to open it up with Genesis 2.18. The name of the word weeds in the name, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so children of y'all, the plan was for man to have one wife. But I want to give, but this topic is about polygamy. So I want to give an example of, you know, a polygamist. And I want to use Solomon because Solomon is the, is the most uh, uh, prominent example of this. And I'm going to read uh, 1 Kings chapter 4 verses um, 26 to 34. So Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots, speaking of his wealth, and 12,000 men. And these governors and each man in his month provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. And there was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. So Solomon was a man of great power. He was the richest man in the world at that point. He was the king of Israel. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. So no one was wiser than Solomon at this time. You know, he was highly favored in the Lord and God gave him this to build his temple. For he was wiser than all men, the Ethan, the Azraite, and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees. From the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things and fish. And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So Solomon, children of Yah, um, was favored by the Lord tremendously. This is a man of of great wealth, of great wisdom, great gifts that the Lord saw fit to use for the kingdom. All right. But Solomon, you know, he had one thing holding him back. And that was the fact that he had 700 wives. And so Solomon did have 700 wives. You know, he was very much a polygamist. But here's the thing, children of Yah. Solomon has 700 wives but he was confused about every single one of them. And the Bible, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. 
So talking about polygamy here. So for Solomon to have 700 wives and to be confused about all of them, that meant that that was never part of the plan. Reading 1 Kings 11, 1 through 4. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, the woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he has 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. So David and Solomon, we see the pattern here. When David became the king, before David became king, you know, it was all the will of the Lord in David to defeat and slay his enemies. But then when David became king, much of his tenure as king of Israel was David doing what he wanted to do. He wasn't necessarily, he wasn't necessarily bad. He just did all he wanted to do without the wisdom of the Lord. But we're talking about polygamy here. I'm going to jump from, you know, the same chapter, chapter 11 of 1 Kings. I'm going to jump to 5 and 8. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is the east, uh, that is east of Jerusalem, and from Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Verses 9 through 13. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And so that's basically the whole story of, of, of uh, what happened with Solomon and his 700 wives. You know, the Lord was greatly angry that he married 700 women and these 700 women, children of Yah, they were women who were never part of the plan. And these 700 women were 700 women who got him off track. But only one, 
Only one was really meant for him. And unfortunately, none of them were supposed to be part of the plan. So he that would have that would mean that he married these 700 women out of a fleshly desire, out of the spirit of lust. He married these fleshly women out of the spirit of lust. Not the fact that God was angry with him for all 700 because he told him not to marry these women. So the fact that God didn't approve of any of them, you know, the Bible says in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. So I will create a helper fit for him. None of these women were the women that God had in mind for Solomon. And here's another thing. Solomon had the wisdom to know this because he was highly favored in the Lord. But the deceit and the error of the spirit of lust within Solomon still led to his demise. Now, looking at it from the flip side of the coin, if you're a woman, this is what you're looking at. You're looking at the richest king in the world and the richest king in the world asks you to be his wife. He asks you number 556 out of 700 to be his wife. And in all likelihood, you know, there are women who are not going to care what the circumstances are. They don't care if they're 9,020 because they wanted the security and they wanted to be taken care of. Now, the Bible says that these women were, were wicked. These women did not serve the Lord. They were idolaters. They worshiped other gods. They worshiped false gods. And so this was likely their frame. You know, their flesh was corrupted. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, he who sows into the flesh will reap corruption and he who sows into the spirit will reap everlasting life. And these 700 men were, 700 women, excuse me, were women who sowed into, this, into the flesh. And so this was likely their frame. They're thinking, I'm about to, I'm about to get with the richest, the richest king. They were basically side pieces. They were basically, um, I don't mean to speak of women so negatively, but this is what they were. They were side pieces. In all likelihood, Solomon only wanted these women out of lust. The same for his father, David. And moreover, you know, Solomon had struggled with a spirit of lust that he did inherit from his father, David. You know, why do you say, Shaq, that he inherited? Because that's how iniquity and sin works. It's inherited. Paul said, for I am carnal, sold under sin. We're all born into iniquity, children of Yah. We're all born into iniquity. Why are we born into iniquity? Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Because Adam and Eve forsook the priesthood and ate from the tree, which they weren't supposed to do, that sin trickled down to each and every one of us. And so bloodline curses, when you get in the world, when you get in the realm of spiritual warfare and you really, truly understand spiritual warfare at the root, you understand why there's always a certain pattern with people. Why is it that you look at one particular family and everybody in that family likes to fight all the time? Why is it that you look at another particular family and this family likes to be stubborn? This family likes to drink. This family likes to smoke. This family likes to party. That family, the, all the men are womanizers. 
this family, all the aunts in the family are single. You start to see a pattern, and this is the result of a bloodline curse. So, children of Yah, this is how uh, 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 demonic strongholds are inherited, and this is and this is how you know some of people, some people who don't belong to God, some of their their bloodlines, they're cursed. You know, some of us. We are the result of some of those bloodline strongholds. You know, we're responsible for dealing with things that have absolutely nothing to do with us. But I digress. But Solomon struggled with the spirit of lust. Now you say, but how can a man with so many wives obtain high favor from the Lord? The same way someone can struggle with a 22-year pornography addiction And when his season of kingdom movement comes, he falls in line and the Lord is willing and ready to give him his mission and bless him. The same way someone can struggle with the spirit of debauchery and drunkenness. They can't put down the bottle. And then when their season comes and they give their life to Christ, their discernment becomes laser sharp thanks to the Holy Spirit and their vision is open. The scales are removed from their eyes and they now see all that is in the spiritual realm legally. And the will of God has made manifest in their hearts. It's the same exact way. And so children of Yah, the Lord has an eager anticipation of his will in all of us, regardless of what we do. But nonetheless, you know, the Bible says that God made one helper for each man. And in the biblical times, you know, there was a spirit of lust. There's usually a spirit of lust roaming around, especially in the hearts of kingdom men. You know, so if you had sex with a woman, you know, the act of conjoining flesh to make one body, you know, you sent back in those days, you simply couldn't abandon them. Otherwise, the penalty for that was death. That is fornication. Like people do today, you know, everybody wants to, you know, you got people that want to have sex with anything that moves and then they just move on to the next, move on to the next, move on to the next. But back in those days, the godly thing to do to avoid the sin of fornication was to take the men and treat them as your own wife or concubine. At least that's what they thought was the godly thing. And for those of you, you know, who question how two bodies become one flesh and how does that mean uh, uh, sex? You know, here are the two main verses supporting this. Genesis 2, 24 and 25 is 1 Corinthians 6, 16. I'm going to read Genesis 2, 24, 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Jumping to 1 Corinthians 6.16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. And Adam and Eve, children of Yah, they were the only two people on the planet. So there's no way that you're going to tell me that they were already married. Otherwise, why would they need to have the first act of conjoining flesh, which is sex? 
Why would that even need to be necessary? And you're not going to tell me, children of Yah, for those of you who believe, who have a different idea of what marriage is, you're not going to tell me that Adam got down on one knee, he proposed, baby, you my rib, and now I want you to be my wife. Will you marry me? You're not going to tell me that Adam did that to Eve, gave Eve an engagement ring, then got a wedding band, found a pastor and said, I do, and they kissed in a tux and gown. Children of y'all, this concept of marriage, biblically speaking, is ridiculous. And all of which, none of those things are even found in the Bible. You know, I've debated this constantly uh, just this year alone. I've debated this so many times. And I've gone, you know, I've gone against bishops, pastors, ministers. I've gone against all kinds of people in the church. And no one can give me a verse that shows me otherwise. No one. You know, I had one bishop gave me a verse. I believe it was Revelation 16 about, you know, they were given the finest linen for the marriage supper of, uh, of Christ in the book of Revelation. But if you look at the bottom of that, it says their linen and clothing was the right was their righteousness. That's what it says. It doesn't say anything about actual jewelry, gold, and silver. It doesn't say anything. It was metaphorical. And so none of these things are in the Bible, but I digress. But that's why so many kingdom men have so many wives. And like I said, Abraham had two. I don't know if I said this earlier or not, but I'm saying it again. Abraham had two wives. Jacob had multiple wives. David had multiple wives. Solomon had multiple wives. And Gideon had multiple wives. Abraham, he rushed the process. He created an Ishmael before his Isaac. Isaac was supposed to be the real blessing, but they, but Abraham couldn't wait. And so he slept with Hagar and they created Ishmael. So now he had, so now he had two wives because he can join flesh with two women. And Jacob had multiple wives. I believe, um, you know, J- Jacob, you know, he went, he went around and, you know, he did some things. David had multiple wives, you know, especially we all know, you know, most of us know the story of what he did with Bathsheba. You know, he sent one of his generals named Uriah into battle to purposely die so he could have his wife. And the comeuppance for that was Bathsheba. They had their first son, but the first son died as a as a comeuppance of what David did. And then they had a second son named Solomon, whom, you know, we just went through his story. He has 700 wives and he was the richest man. He built, he rebuilt the temple. But, you know, these kingdom men had many, many wives. And Gideon was my last example. And here's one thing about Gideon. Gideon had the spirit of doubt. He struggled with the spirit of doubt. He had a confidence issue. And so he had many, many wives as a way of saying, well, I don't really have the confidence, but let me let me at least gather another. Uh, let me at least find a woman to complete me. That was Gideon's frame. And Gideon had many, many wives. You know, otherwise, you know, how could you ask? How could you, you know, say, OK, so a man with no confidence, he's able to he's able to gain 
he's able to get married many, many times. You know, it just it just doesn't work like that. And, and this is what this I, I prayed about this, guys. This is what the spirit revealed to me in my heart. See, here's the thing. One quick note. When you read the Bible through spiritual lenses, you're going to discover that the Bible, that the spirit fills in the holes that the Bible purposefully, purposely leaves out. You know, I tell people all the time, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. I said, you can't read the Bible through carnal lenses because when you what happens when you read the bible through carnal lenses you come up with your own conclusions which the holy spirit warns you not to do proverbs 3 5 says trust the lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. that's verse 6 of proverbs chapter 3 as well so what that means is if you surrender your mind and your heart and your thought process, everything about how you process things logically to the Lord and you fully trust him, he will bless you with the spirit of discernment. His Holy Spirit, his helper will bless you with the spiritual discernment to decipher what actually happened? The Holy Spirit will even take you there in the spirit so you can see it happen before your own eyes. Some of you, you know, you're sitting there saying, all right, this dude is crazy. There's a verse in the Bible that says, but the natural man cannot discern the things of the spirit for they are foolishness to him for they are spirit, that which is spiritually discerned. It also says the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Indeed, so those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that's why, going back into the on top, I kind of got off track a little bit, but that's why so many of these kingdom men had many, many wives. It was the spirit of lust within them. It was the spirit of lust that led them to say, okay, I'm going to, ma- okay, I really want you, I really want you, and I really want you, but I don't want to be convicted of the sin of fornication. And remember, guys, this is the Old Testament. The old te- In the Old Testament, if you committed the sin of fornication, you were put to death. You were stoned to death. So, like I said, the godly thing was for every woman you can join flesh with, the godly thing was to take them in and have them be uh, your wife. But the Bible says, too, that if you're also going to be an overseer ordained by God or his deacon also ordained by God, that you have to be the husband of one wife. Let me give you the verses for that. First Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So 
an overseer, the qualification of an overseer, guys, is that he he can only have one wife. You know, like I said, it was commonplace for most men of God to have multiple wives, but the pastor can only have one. And there's a reason for that, which I'm going to get into a little bit later. But the same chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, the qualifications of a deacon. Now, likewise, deacons must be reverent. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, one wife ruling their children in their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So pastors and deacons, children of Yah, the qualification is one wife. Now, why Now why is that? You know, you got to ask yourself, why would God, if, if it's commonplace for kingdom men to have multiple wives in the home, you got to ask yourself, why would God appoint the leader of a congregation to have one wife, only one wife? And the answer is simple, children of y'all. The answer is to show that the plan is supposed to be for one wife and one wife only, not multiple. And God never intended for the spirit of lust to allow his people to twist the rules. And then the demonic affliction, children of y'all, affects God's people. And that and when and when it does, it usually works like football. If you've ever seen a football game, you know, a bunch of guys on defense, they tackle the, the dude with the ball. And it's not just one. The way the demons work, they work like the sport of football. You know, it's not just one that tackles the believer to take him down, but it's many, many legions. You got to think back to when. Uh, Mark chapter five, when Jesus came across the demon possessed man and he casted the devil out of the man and then asked the devil, what was your name? And then the demon said, I am legion for we are many. But this is how the demons work. They work like this in an effort to keep you out of the kingdom because they know it's a lost battle once you realize where the true power comes from. And so as a result, they do everything in their power to keep you from knowing the truth. And here's another question. You know, for some of you saying, you know, what about the men of the Bible who had multiple wives and children? I'm going to get into that right now. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 15 through to 17. If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved. And if their firstborn son is of her who was unloved, then it shall be on the day he bequeaths his possessions to the son that he must not bestow firstborn status of the son of the loved wife in preference to the son of the unloved, the true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all he has, for he is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn is his. Now, 
So basically what what that means is it still follows the concepts, the concept of two body become two bodies become one flesh. Remember, the original plan is for man to only have one wife. And so the love wife simply means the woman he's come together with and he truly want he truly intends to go on with so to speak. In the context of the unloved wife, basically what that means is baby mama status. Otherwise, why would a man conjoin his flesh to another woman whom he doesn't love as his wife? You see what I'm saying, children of y'all? So basically, because he is the firstborn, God acknowledges him as the firstborn. It says on the day he bequeathed his possessions to his son that he must not bestow firstborn status. So basically, the family of whom the man truly loves, he doesn't have that son does not have the right um, to be called uh, firstborn. You know, God sees the true firstborn as firstborn because two bodies become one flesh. It doesn't matter if you can join flesh and you had a baby with a girl. And as a result, you didn't even, you know, you didn't care about the relationship. Oh, you know, it was just the one I stand, blah, blah, blah. You're going to understand that in the kingdom, the act of fornication, the act of casual sex does not stop the law and concept of two bodies become one flesh. And so I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. To sum it up, and here's the meat and potatoes. Children of Yah, polygamy is not of God. It never was and never will be. It was never part of the plan for man to have multiple wives, but God had made basically some in case of rules and laws to follow in the event that a son was born, should a man have multiple wives? And here's the thing. And if God supported polygamy, don't you think Adam would have had multiple wives alongside Eve? Don't you think God would have told us let each man have multiple wives. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. It doesn't say let each man have many wives, be entitled to many wives or let each woman be titled to one husband. You know, there's no plurality in the kingdom. There's no plurality. So for the people who believe Oh, because the king, you know, the kingdom men had multiple wives. It's, it's it's legal. No, 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 no. It is not. I promise you, it is not. It's not legal. If the pastor is a husband of one wife and he is the leader, he is the shepherd, he is the overseer of his people. You got to think if the leader of his people. If he only has one wife. How do you expect that uh, what the way you should go is? It doesn't mean you get a multiple. The principle is one wife. Remember, to Christ, we are referred to as one body. 
God refers to the people of Israel in the Old Testament as his wife, not multiple wives, not 10 million wives, not 2 billion wives, one wife. And to Christ, in many places in the New Testament, we are referred to as as his bride. We are referred to as one body and bride of Christ, not multiple brides, one bride, one bride. There's no plurality in the kingdom. So for those of you who are well-armed now on the topic of polygamy, if anyone questions you on it and says, no, 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 God God ordained man to have multiple wives, I would encourage you to point them here, point them to this video, point them to this podcast. For those of you tuning in on the podcast platform, or for those of you who favor podcasts over videos, point them to the podcast, point them to this episode on polygamy. For those of you tuning in the YouTube channel or Facebook, point them to the video. Point them to the video. But just because the Bible doesn't say outright no polygamy, you got to put together the scriptures at first. Because I'm, I'm not going to lie, in the early stages, I kind of questioned it too. I'm like, well, you know. And I, I was using Google back then. I was looking, oh, well, the, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, you know, polygamy is a sin, so it must be legal, right? No, 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 no. It's one of those things where you got to rely on the Holy Spirit to discern because I prayed and prayed and prayed, and God led me to Genesis, uh, to Genesis chapter 2, verse Verse 18, Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Not helpers, a helper. And then from there, everything just kind of started to fall in line. And then I read the story of Solomon. And, you know, the Lord was greatly angry, angered that Solomon married these 700 women out of lust. He was greatly angered. And, you, and some of you say, well, what about the Song of Solomon? The Song of Solomon was created in the context of marriage. The Song of Solomon is not meant to be exploited as, as, as a, the agenda of a polygamist. The Song of Solomon is meant to explore the depths of marital love and covenant and commitment. So I want you to think of it that way. But there's no plurality in the kingdom and polygamy is definitely not of God. Remember, we are one body and one bride of Christ. There is no but the kingdom men did this, the kingdom men did that. What did Christ do? What did Christ do? We are one body and one bride and that is it. He is the groom and we are the wife. Husbands, love your husbands. I mean, I'm sorry. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. Not he gave himself for multiple wives. He gave himself for her. We are all unified as one. The book of Colossians says we are all uh, we are all one body of Christ and members individually. So I think you guys understand the point, but that's all I have for tonight. I pray you guys go so in Jesus' name, go grow in Jesus' name. Please don't forget to subscribe. New episodes come out weekly. 
Um, you can reach me for partnership opportunities. You can reach, you can email me at yavirise at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram on my Yavirise page. You can, my YouTube channel is Yavirise Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Yavirise Podcast. My name is Shaquan Woody. Be wise, children of y'all. Be wise. I love you all. God bless you all and have a good evening. Thank you.